Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series, interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Pat Sherlock, and welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is installing a hybrid working environment permanently. What a hot topic. I'm so glad we're addressing it. Our expert today is Eric Bergoon, and he is Chief Lending Officer at Lake Michigan Credit Union. Prior to that, Eric was with Bank America and LaSalle Bank. He's had a long career in mortgages and mortgage banking. Hi, Eric. Hello. How are you, Pat? Oh, good. So this is a hot topic, but before we kind of jump into it, let's talk a little bit about, you know, you've had a long career within banking and mortgage banking. How did you get into mortgage banking and how did you get into managing? Well, I got into mortgage banking right out of business school. So my first job out of business school, I wanted to go into uh, financial services marketing. So I looked at companies, insurance companies, banks, American Express, and ended up finding a mortgage banking company, Citibank Mortgage. And that's how I started. So started there in their call center, rotated around to a number of different areas. And if, you know, once you get into mortgage banking, you never leave. Either that or you leave in the first uh, week. Well, that's so true. So how did you get into managing? Well, the program that I started in was a, was a management trainee kind of program. So we, we rotated between um, different areas of the company, servicing, origination, credit, and then ultimately um, decided that origination is where I focused and uh, took on that, that consumer direct um, business and really grew that from there. Wow, that's great. And so when you look at your chief lending officer position now, what are some of the challenges that you have faced uh, this year in your position? Well, the biggest thing has probably been like fatigue, right? So we've gone through a, a long run, um, all of us, uh, since March of last year when the world really changed, um, not only in every aspect of our life, but certainly the mortgage banking you know, world too. So really trying to keep people motivated, engaged, and try to preserve our culture, all from working from various uh, parts from home and not home and and really just trying to keep that, keep it going, trying to keep the team, you know, pumped up, positive, and obviously they've been very productive, but uh, keep them from being too burned out. Yeah, that's a big problem for sure. So anything, Eric, that surprised you in 2021? I think how the biggest thing is probably how long it's continued. So, I mean, the housing market, it continues to boom. Obviously, we still are facing some of the uh, the housing shortages. Um, we have a construction program, so that's really gone up you know, two and a half times what we did even last year. So um, businesses booming, um, shortage of homes, and that, that just really seems to be no end in sight. Refinances still fairly strong, you know, not quite at the peak that they were, but still, still steady. So uh, I guess my biggest surprise would be that the business is still so good. You know, usually we get these, you know, refi blips and they kind of come and go and six months or a year, but no signs of uh, of this uh, train slowing down anytime soon from our perspective. Well, that's really great. And actually, that's encouraging to say the least. So you've been in the business a long time. And so how do you keep on top of all the changes in the world of mortgage banking? You know, we work with our, with our investors. So we sell to Fannie and, and Freddie and uh, Federal Home Loan Bank and um, Ginny. So we're, we're constantly every month we have a call with those uh, those partners. I tend to a lot of uh, listen to a lot of podcasts like yours here and, and other um, other uh, areas. Um, we're actively involved in the mortgage bankers. I just came back from a, a CUMA conference that was uh, that's the Association of you know Credit Unions. So all those are big credit unions that do mortgages. So learned a lot from there, and then really just talking to our people. I mean, our 
our loan officers, our, our credit staff, our operations folks really kind of know what's what's going on. And as you say, there have been so many changes that's been, you know, probably if there was a second, you know, surprise or challenge is, is just to get that all that information disseminated. So it's a challenge, but uh, we've been up to it so far. That's great. Well, let's talk about the main topic today, which is installing a hybrid working situation. And I know that when we talked about it before, I think it would be helpful to hear from you you how you went into the hybrid world and now you're making it a permanent situation. Talk about that whole transition. Yeah, for us, uh, you know, the best analogy I can come up with is uh, really jumping off of a cliff. We were very much a believer that you needed to be in the office prior to the pandemic starting. We really did not allow anyone to, to work from home as, as an official program. So in fact, lost a couple, two of our good underwriters that went to companies prior to the, prior to the pandemic, just for that reason alone. Um, and so when when things kind of shut down very rapidly and, you know, we, we have business in Michigan and in Florida, uh, Michigan really shut down uh, everything, real estate lending, construction lending, you know, completely. So we pretty much picked up our equipment and went home in a, in a matter of, of, uh, of less than a week. So we jumped right into it from that standpoint. And uh, it certainly has changed how we view working from home now. So, Eric, when you get to this topic of making it permanent, and so certainly lots of lenders went to, there was no choice but to obviously be remote. But now we're talking about you've instituted it on a permanent basis. Talk about how did you come to this decision, what type of analysis you did, and what has been the reception of your employees? We do, like we do with most things with our employees, we, we do talk to them a lot. So we had a meeting I would say that was probably about April of this year um, with all of our managers. And we and the intent of that meeting was really to, to discuss our plan for bringing people back into the office. And our managers, through feedback from their employees, really felt quite strongly that, you know, they've proven that they can work effectively from home and they have. And they really wanted to make a case for a permanent work from home option. And so together we worked through the whole process. Um, one thing that was not really that clear, I mean, everybody has their goals and, and responsibilities, but we didn't have very good uh, reporting and tracking on how everyone individually was doing against their goals. So, so what we agreed to is that we will continue and um, put in place a, a work from home program if, if the work from home option can be shown to be more productive than the standard uh, goals set. So, so we, it helped us to do one thing. First of all, it helped us to clarify goals for every position in every department, which had been, you know, had gotten fuzzy over the years. So um, first of all, we clarified exactly what those goals were. Then we set a standard roughly 10% higher for if you wanted to work at home, you needed to maintain a standard that was 10% higher than where we were versus your regular goals. And so that, um, I think the key to it for us was really working with the managers and employees to help establish the goal. So it was almost a basic goal setting process. So they had buy into the goals. You know, the the assumption was and in the, in the from coming from the employees and the managers was that they could be more productive at home. And so they defined exactly what that was. And so then we put in place a, a permanent program. So anyone that wanted to, to work from home had to meet a little bit higher standard. And then, you know, got with some, you know, our legal staff and, and put a, a specific work from home agreement in place just so that, you know, that was clear equipment and privacy and everything was was buttoned up. 
and then basically have uh, allowed people to, to do what, what they prefer. And so far, so good. So when you offered it, is it including the ops side? Typically, most companies don't have problems with loan officers working remote, but the ops side always seems to be an issue. How was that handled? Yeah, so you're right. On the loan officer side, we didn't worry about it uh, too much there, but this is primarily for, and really at this point, um, all of operations. So our servicing organization has been working in the office. There's some you know, some latency issues with phones and things that make that a little bit more challenging. And frankly, those those people um, elected really to, to work from uh, from the office. What we're talking about here with our work from home program has been the standard, our operations people. So our setup teams, our processors, underwriters, closers, the vast majority, 80% plus, are still working from home and are on a permanent work from home option. And of course, we find people that don't like that. They want to come in and, and some that have come in, you know, through the whole uh, whole uh, pandemic time, but but it's been primarily operations, yes. So when they elect to work at home, which it sounds like most of them did, and so how do you get them monitored? So when from your viewpoint, you're just looking at how many loans they're handling. Talk about the measurements that you've established. Yeah, so there's um, there's a couple things that we put in place. Certainly the number of loans and the, the base productivity that we had in place. Uh, we do have um, the ability to to track uh, call time. We don't look at individual calls, but you know time on the phone, so we can make sure that you know members are being handled. We do collect service scores um, by individual, so we can tell all the loans that closed. You know how many you know satisfied members we have from by processor, by underwriter, by closer. So we track track service, and it varies a little bit by each position, of course. You know number of files underwritten or conditions cleared, etc. For underwriting. But it's yes, yes, some of the basic things, but an overall um, additional look at the phone activity and service. So when you're looking at this 10% number over whatever your standards are, how did you come up with 10%? And is that something that can be readjusted? Uh, maybe it's too low or, or whatever. What, what's your thoughts on that? Well, nothing real analytical went into that. You know, the 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 hypothesis was, you know, coming from the people that they would be more productive. Mm-hmm. And frankly, if they were equally productive, we would have been fine with it. So sure. 10% was an easy number to calculate. So, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah, I think as long as we are, the, the bottom line for us is if we can be as productive and people can work from home and they prefer to do that, we're, we're good with that now, which is amazing because it's a, it's a really a true 180 switch from where we used to be. And it's, you know, it's a competitive, you know, work environment right now. So you obviously don't want to lose people over just where they're working from as long as they can do it. And and we've worked really hard at maintaining the culture um, of the company. So so we try to get them together. Obviously, we all have done some of the Zoom and most people are probably Zoomed out at this point. Um, but we've had some in-person events and we do as part of that agreement that they do have to come back into the office if we have a, a department-wide meeting you know, or whatever it is. So we've had meetings, we've had uh, trainings, we've had just picnics and and other, you know, social events uh, where we've had people come back. Of course, we're not forcing anybody that's that's truly, you know, a, a high risk with COVID or or any other reason like that. But but most people are happy to come back in, at least see their, their coworkers and friends, 
you know, occasionally, even if they are primarily working from home. So with these individuals, so how do they maintain having a relationship with their manager and vice versa? How does the manager now, they're managing people remotely, which is a whole different skill set. What, what do you see with that? Well, that's a great question. And I, I don't have a, of a final answer on this one, but that was what we probably pushed back to the managers on. Like, how are you going to know? So part of that was making sure that the, the, the standards were like all goals should be, but were truly, you know, measurable, you know, quantifiable and, and, and fair and, and working through that whole part of it. But they, they check in with them that, that they've got, they have to, the managers to, to maintain the same standard do have to contact, you know, each of their employees each week. And many of them have a big staff. So that's a, that's the minimum, but you know, most of the time they're talking to them, you know, every day, but they continue to do their normal meetings, you know, by, by Zoom or, or by um, bringing people back in for a meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, but it does put a lot on the manager. I, I certainly agree with that. You know, it's, it's, it's different than just sort of, you know, walking down the hallway and be able to see a lot of people. Now, I will say that most of our operations staff, while we do have a, a major center in, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and a couple of other sort of regional centers, many of our people are pretty geographically dispersed anyway. So they might be working, you might have an underwriter working in a, you know, in a banking branch, or you might have a closer that works out of a mortgage office in Florida versus somewhere else. So, so that they're pretty used to that part of it being not having their whole team, you know, physically in the same place anyway. So uh, really not that much different for most of them. So when you're offering this to the the personnel, were they signing agreements or, or how did you handle all that? Were they just verbally saying, yes, I want to do that? No, we have agreements. Yep. So that that's, uh, in a, in a, like I said earlier, it covers some of the some of the privacy standards. And, and there's some, you know, sort of legalese, I guess, if you call it in there, too, that that uh, that allows it to do that. But but you have to at this point, there's not really a situation where it's a temporarily working from home sort of thing. We handle those. I would say we probably handle that. Like if somebody has whatever, a, a child care issue or an appointment or whatever, and, and needs to work from home for, for a day or so, we're much more open to that and much more flexible about that than we ever were before. But that's not what we would say somebody's in the you know work from home program. So, so Eric, how has, from a recruiting standpoint, how has this helped or or not, or has it helped? I think, well, a couple of things right off the top. It certainly has, we got the two people that left for that reason alone, came back very quickly once we had this program in place. So we got our two underwriters back that we lost prior to the pandemic. So that was a direct benefit of changing the program. And I have to believe that we have not lost a lot of people that did have this option somewhere else. We know of at least three or four people that were came to us and said, this this company is offering me to work from home. I really don't want to leave. Would you allow it? And And so we did. So I can think right there is, you know, five or six people that we wouldn't have had all great employees had we not formalized our work from home program. So when you're recruiting, let's say for the ops positions, which are very difficult to do, is that one of the things that you're actually emphasizing that they have this option now? And has that increased the reception of people to you? Yeah, for sure. We do. We do talk about that. I will say we've not really, you know, most of the time when we hire people, we're, we're hiring operations 
uh, people based on a recommendation from either a, an existing person in operations or a salesperson or somebody that's coming in with a salesperson. So we're not, we're not, for example, you know, going out and trying to recruit processors or underwriters in California or New York or, sure. you know, a state at our location that we're not in. So we're not, we would, if somebody came to us in the, the right circumstance, you know, we might hire somebody, you know, in a different state, but we're primarily um, have people in, in Michigan and, and Southwest Florida is, is where we're still looking, but certainly it does help as well. And it's, it's a question that I got to believe almost a hundred percent of the time, the person is going to ask if that option is available. So at least we can very confidently say not only yes, but we have a, a formal program, which, which I think gives them the confidence that this is not just a temporary thing that's going to get changed next week, but a, a, an actual program in that, uh, that helps us um, get a few extra people, I'm sure, too. Talk a little bit more about the cultural side of it, because a lot of times what I see with sales leadership, this becomes the real big issue that, again, they they view it that that it's impossible to conduct uh, and preserve your culture unless you are in the office. Talk about that side of it. Yeah, well, it's it's. Certainly harder because you've got, you know, you miss out on some of those sort of just, uh, you know, casual conversations or, or conversations that, you know, might start out on a particular file and then, you know, morphs into a much more detailed conversation about a particular process or product or whatever. So you kind of miss that a little bit at times. But I think just have to be more intentional about that. We need to make sure we've reinstituted some of the, some of the, um, standard you know meetings and things that we've had just for that reason as well so we do a we call it our our, our credit strategy meeting so we we do that every week so that's where we ask salespeople, operations people about anything that we can do to improve is there a product we're missing or a tweak to a product or a guideline that's that's causing um you know a problem so we've had to be more diligent and again intentional about finding those things that you wouldn't necessarily pick up in a hallway conversation or whatever. Um, the other thing is as a credit union, you know, we're, we have, you know, I think every company really believes strongly in their culture. Ours, you know, as a credit union is particularly focused on the member service. So, you know, our members are our owners. And so, you know, we will do backflips for our, for our members and our customers to, um, to do that. So that is probably the thing that we worry about even more so than the culture, that part of the culture. But, but again, you know, the standards and we've found ways to track that by individual and um, that helps, uh, helps maintain that culture as well. So Eric, do you do some type of engagement by your employees measurements that you kind of can track it to see if this continues or, or, or is that something in part of your arsenals? We have not done that yet. I mean, we do a, an, you know, an annual employee mm -hmm. engagement survey. We haven't done anything specific to the work from home program. Uh, that's a good idea. Maybe we should just to kind of see, see where that goes. You know, and I think we're, we're small enough still. I mean, we have, you know, roughly 300 people in the, our mortgage, you know, team. So we can do some things with focus groups and just get people together and kind of see how, how it's going. So, so we're about two months into this now and, you know, productivity has been high. We've continued to close, you know, good amounts of uh, mortgages and people seem to, to be pretty pleased with it so far. That's great. So time has flown. So in the last few minutes, could you give a couple of takeaways for our listeners today about what you've learned from doing this? Yeah, I, th I think the biggest thing for me and for our management team has just been, you know, 
truly listen to your employees. I mean, they really are the ones. I thought, you know, when we went into that meeting and I think it was April that we were going to come back. And the the reaction was was uh, so adamant, so strong against it, you know, not in a threatening way or whatever, but but they were passionate about it. They really believed that they could be more productive and would be more productive and really passionately wanted to, to continue. So so I think we we listened to them is the biggest thing that I say we did is uh, listen to the uh, to what they say and not that we're going to do everything and we weren't going to just let people work from home without the standards and without an agreement, et cetera. But I think we came to a very, a very fair solution. They're happy about it, just as productive as they were. And we're happy about it for the very same reason. Well, they're really great words of wisdom to say the least. And I want to thank everybody for listening today. And I certainly appreciate you spending time with us. And I want to thank Eric for all his great comments. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We appreciate you spending time with us. If your sales team needs training in hiring and lead generation, schedule a free consultation by emailing me at psherlock at qfsconsulting.com.